right, here we go. The John Turley, Sherry Elliker Show. Don't forget, time for the know-it-all quiz coming up at 530. You're going to text us. You're going to write us. You're get a chance to come on and uh, bite me cookies will be the prize for you. My friend Deborah that makes bite me cookies. Uh, can't wait for you to be able to taste them and try them. And it's a big part of the show at 530. I'm just stalling because we don't Sherry's ready. Okay, good. We lost her just temporarily, but she's back. All right. Uh, bring her in because my can all sorts of hobgoblins on the show. Bring her in. Open the door. I can't even open the door. All right. Welcome. Hello there. Hey, oh, welcome. Ready? Yeah, you ready? I'm ready. Daddy. Are you ready? All right. Representative Street joins us. Hey, thanks for coming on. I got to tell you something. I watched an hour and a half debate that you did with your opponent over there in Columbia City. And, Matt, are you a sharp, sharp dude? Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, I was really, really impressed. I, I just, how you handled the questions was terrific. I thought I'd vote for that guy. I like that guy, I like Columbia City. I get my hair cut up there. It's good stuff. Um, we wanted you to come on because this is the biggest story in news in Seattle and around the area is this idea of the police pursuing and pulling people over for broken taillights and stuff like that. You have probably been reading and listening and blogs and all the Twitter and everything else. What are we not getting right? Is there a piece of the story that's missing? that you think sort of illuminates it a little better? Sure. I mean, I always like to start these conversations with things I think we're all aligned on, right? Like, we all understand that this past year we had the most traffic deaths in the state of our, in the history of our state, and that's not good for any community, and we should be finding ways to make our roads safer. And so this yes. bill really is about road safety and figuring out the best way to use the valuable time of our law enforcement officers. And using the data that we have, the most mm -hmm. the most available data, the widest set of data from not only our own state, but other states who have tried similar policies, and then enacting the best policy for the best outcome for our communities. Okay. So we're talking about safety. So the fact that we've had more fatalities on the road, what do you attribute that to? For sure. I mean, I think there's multiple reasons for that like we saw when COVID happened um i believe that's one of the times when fatalities started to spike my understanding specific to COVID is that when there were less drivers on the road uh people started to speed more which yeah. when you end up in a collision at higher speeds become more fatal so i think there is some sort of correlation to COVID, but also looking at the reasons why we have dangerous and unsafe traffic collisions so Things like DUIs, things like reckless driving, things like distracted driving, things like lack of a seatbelt. So if you are in a collision, you have reduced your chances for injury. Making sure that those things are um, part of our driving culture, I think, is really important. And that's what this bill does. So do you – let me just jump on last question and Sherry. Um, the fact that drivers feel as if the police can't pull them over – and they can drive with impunity, do you think they're driving faster and taking more risks? I don't know about that. I wouldn't sort of speculate on that personally. Um, I don't think, I don't tie this bill specifically to whether an officer can pull someone over for speeding or for many of the other um, violations and crimes that 
officers can still pull people over for. Um, I don't tie these two bills because this bill is really about just reclassifying a very low-level set of infractions that have no correlation to safety on the roads. Okay. So I, I completely understand and, and, and think it's a great idea to prioritize your police resources, but allowing some of these violations to completely go unchecked, isn't that sort of an invitation for people to break the law? And what is the incentive then for people that follow the rules, that, that pay their tabs and, and do the things they're supposed to do? If they figure they're not going to get, there, there won't be any, ramifications or there won't be any problems uh they won't get pulled over for it how do you i mean what kind of a message does that send yeah that's a great question like the first thing that when i talk about this like we are not making these things legal we are operating within the confines of our existing legal structure right like so the idea of a primary stop versus a secondary stop for folks who may not know, a primary violation is something that a police officer can pull you over for. A secondary violation is something that is not legal, but is not grounds to be pulled over for. So the idea of primary and secondary already exists. All we're doing is changing the classification of a few violations. So if you are pulled over for a primary violation like speeding, like blowing through a red light, like not stopping at the stop sign, and you have expired tabs, or you have one of these other secondary violations, a police officer can still address that issue with you at that time. Also, by making it secondary doesn't mean that you can't enforce it. Like, we have great technology and uh, traffic cameras. We should update them to look for things like uh, tabs. We should look update them to look for things like a broken taillight so that we can notify people that they have some equipment that should be updated. So this isn't about making them legal. And there are other ways, like the other thing that I would point out is that the enforcement mechanism, even if a police officer were to pull you over for them, is still them issuing you a ticket, which is the same thing you can do by issuing people an electronic ticket. The only difference is that it wasn't a forced interaction with a police officer. And those interactions can escalate in both ways. So sometimes it ends in a unnecessary escalation of force against the person being stopped. And I've also heard stories about police officers who have lost their lives because they're approaching a car who they don't know is in there and then get shot from that. So we want to make sure that if we're going to ask our police officers to put their life on the line, that they're doing it for something that really increases our public safety. Because the last thing we want is anyone, a police officer or a member of a public, not coming home to their family. So we're going to not stop... Go ahead, Sherry, go ahead. Well, no, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, so we won't stop the driver with a broken taillight, and you're saying primarily that's a waste of time for the for the officer. We need them to be doing other things. Okay. So are we also trying to stop the driver from having interactions, uh, stop the police officers from having interactions with drivers? Quite frankly, I would just say that we are trying to make sure that when they have an interaction with a driver on the road, it is to address a safety-critical Issue. So, for example, I don't think that necessarily interactions between police and drivers necessarily need to go down because of this bill. However, they'll be having interactions for different reasons. For example, like a city in Connecticut reprioritized how um, officers spent their time pulling folks over, and there was a 250% rise in DUI arrests, right? Like, that's exactly the type of interaction and arrest that we want to be having on our roads because that makes us all safer. You you talked, uh, so, Representative Street. You talked but, about the fact that there's disparity between 
white drivers and black drivers and how many black drivers get tickets or how many black drivers get stopped between uh, compared to white drivers. How do you explain the disparity? I think we need more data for that. And that's one of the things that law, the law enforcement community has been supportive of in this bill. As this bill was originally introduced last year in the Senate, and we've been working with law enforcement to make this better. And through those good faith conversations, we have found many ways to make it better, although we don't see 100% eye to eye. And so there are 100% stats around um, black drivers and drivers of color are more likely to be searched, even though we create uh, or commit crimes just as often as our white brothers and sisters. Native folks are more like five times more likely to be searched. So we have these disparities. However, in conversation with law enforcement, this is based on I believe those disparities were based on population of people in the area versus the traffic stop. There's many other things that we should take into account, like maybe it's the population of car owning people or the types of populations driving at different times of the day, right? Like all of these would give us better data. And part of this bill is to collect better data so that we better understand those those impacts on uh, disparities. So a lot of police officers don't agree with this and they don't think that it's necessarily a a, a good idea. Um, what do you say to the people that suggest that there's been so many things, so many restrictions put on police officers now that a lot of them have apathy about their job because they they don't want to get in trouble. They It's just not worth it. It's just not worth pursuing anybody. They can't pursue them. They can't pull anybody over for, uh, you know, certain infractions. Um, how do you address that with, with police officers that are tired and that, frankly, aren't, you know, you don't have that many of them and you want to attract people and you want a, a robust police force? What do you say to them? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think there is fatigue in the law enforcement community. I, I believe them when they say that they feel attacked by the legislature or not supported by the legislature. And quite frankly, I would hope that this bill helps recruit people because I don't like when a police officer joins, they want to keep their community safe. And I don't think they want to be pulling people over for tabs. They want to be doing things that make sure their community is safe. And so the way I always try and have these conversations with law enforcement is let's make sure that you are spending your time doing the things that keep us the most safe, because that is what they want as well. Um, I really do believe that the majority of police officers have everyone's best interest in heart and want to do the the right thing. And I really do think this bill helps make sure that the time that they're spending is doing that. So I'm just trying to get back to the idea, because I think I've heard you say it and others have said it as well. The disparity, the differences is that black drivers are being pulled over more often. And therefore, that is somehow indicative of that the system or that the police are biased or somehow racist. If there is some disparity between the color of the driver and the police officer interaction, do I always assume the disparity is racism? And I'll give you an example of it. So in New Jersey, they look at black drivers, white drivers, Hispanic drivers, and Asian drivers. And Asian drivers get more tickets than black, white, or Hispanic. And in a study that was done in 2001 where they looked at more than 12 million cars going by, and they just took pictures of them, they found that predominantly, overwhelmingly, 
Blacks were driving faster than whites. Hispanics were driving faster than whites. And then Asians were driving a little slower. So it was the disparity between the two, the cop pulling over the car and the driver being black. Do we always assume either the cop is a racist or the black driver is driving too fast? I mean, I think the great thing about this bill is it has nothing to do about whether you're a racist cop or not. The thing is, is like, if we're going to have a cop pull someone over, let's make sure that it's about safety, right? Like, if let's uh, say, for t- instance, but a taillight, all Asians go faster but a than taillight is rep- represented, but a taillight is part of the mechanics of the car. It's also part of safety, right? And broken taillights or broken brake lights. So I know if I'm behind you and you stop, your lights come on. So that's part of safety as well. So. It seems like the safety you're trying to stop is the cop either being hit by a motorist driving by or the cop being killed or someone being hurt in the interaction at the traffic stop. But those that 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 brake light is part of the safety of the car, isn't it? I mean, I agree that the equipment on a car all attributes to safety. Um, that's why I think everyone wants their car in the best working order. And that's also why, like, everyone's excited about the portion of this bill that provides a grant program for low-income people to fix their cars. Because if you ask anyone, I think they want their car in the best working order. Where, why I say reprioritizing stops towards safety-critical incidences are, like we've mentioned before, there is a shortage of police officers. They are overstretched. I went on a ride-along with Washington State Patrol, and when we were dealing with a low-level traffic infraction, we watched the DUI go the other way, and we didn't respond to a hit-and-run because we were dealing with this other thing. And I would much rather that our police officers be responding to those things. And that one night, we stopped two other DUIs and responded to another hit-and-run. So like, there are much more serious things that our police officers are going to be spending their time on. It's not that one taillight doesn't at all impact safety, but it's not nearly as impactful as these other things that officers can spend their time on. Hmm. So, they, do, do you think they'll? So, I'm sorry. Do, do you think this is a little bit of a slippery slope? I mean, you know, what's next? I mean, this is you know, if this is successful, is it possible that then other things will be overlooked or not prioritized? I mean, you already have a do not pursue law. You, now people are able to drive with, you know, parts of their car not functioning appropriately. Um, there, you know, there is a, a concern that this could lead to another a relaxation of of more uh, safety rules or or more laws. I mean, I think it's a slippery slope to a safer roads. And what's next is less deaths. Like I mentioned from that study in North Carolina, in North or that was Connecticut, DUI arrests went up two hundred fifty percent. This has also been done in Fayetteville, and the shifted policing priorities changed the stops from 30% traffic critical to 80% traffic critical. Deaths dropped 28%. And then, as we mentioned, disparities also dropped as well. So, like, I think it's a slippery slope to a good thing where we are safer on the roads and we have less traffic fatalities. So, uh, just as you close here, the you'll hear a police officer say, because I did those ride-alongs as well, Representative Street, they pull the guy over for the taillight, and then they'll say... Let's, you know, they look in there. The guy's got the broken taillight. That's the stop. Driving without insurance, bench warrant, 
anything else that might also be part of this guy or this woman's past as they're driving with a broken tail. It is a reason to stop, and then you can all of a sudden find a whole bunch of other things that this person might have. It's the interaction that the police have, the most common interaction that police can have with a citizen that could eventually lead to catching somebody who's wanted by the uh, courts or wanted by the police or someone that's driving with a gun or someone that's doing something else. So it is the reason to stop. And then it is a reason to possibly further get an understanding of who this driver is. You're going to take that away. Do you think you will have less people being found with bench warrants, less drivers that could possibly be searched and carrying guns or drugs or something else? I mean, you're, you're breaking off that interaction between the cop and the driver. Well, we have data that shows that it's an incredibly ineffective use of our police time. Out of 11 million Washington State patrol stops, only 0.27% of drivers were found with contraband. Out of 2,000 traffic stops in Tacoma, only 0.11% were found with contraband. So, like, that is incredibly inefficient. And if we're going by that train of logic, like, if we want to just increase times when people can be searched by police, like, why don't we set up checkpoints everywhere? Why don't we set up checkpoints on the street? Like, because that would increase uh, interactions with police and the public, and you would find more guns, you would find more drugs, but we have civil rights, and like we don't want right. our civil rights being trampled no. just to no. have interactions with police. And I think police do a good job of detective work. Like I think there are things there are things that can be investigated that have a much more high probability and correlation with catching crime, catching criminals, stopping domestic violence, stop catching sexual predators, and those yeah. are the things that we need to be doing in our community to keep our community safe. Okay, so as long as it's about keeping the police, keeping safety and time for the police to do other things, I got that. I, I always have a problem when somebody starts to say, well, the police are stopping black people or stopping somebody because the police have the problem. Are you in agreement with that, with me? Yeah, I mean, you should do you're anything not the police, are you? Safer, even yeah. if it then has a good disproportionate impact on keeping our communities of color and other folks safe. Like, this is a a win-win for everyone. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Thank Representative Street. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Are you still ref in soccer, by the way, or did you retire from that? <laughs> I retired from the pro side. I am hoping that I will get to do a few games on the collegiate side. Like, you get, like, a Stanford-UCLA game, or UW oh. is number one or two in the country this year. There is, yeah. oh, my God, do a UW-SU game. The amount of energy on that field you cannot replicate in <laughs> I yeah. mean, I love, like, NBA playoffs, but, like, college sports, there is just a passion where these kids are you're, out there you're playing. Part of you're part of it. You're in that. You're in the pit. You're on the pitch, baby. You're part oh, of it. Oh, man. <laughs> are you? Get those high socks out. All right. Thanks, representatives. <laughs> good luck. Have a great weekend. I'm good. There we go. John Curley, Sherry Elliger Show. Thanks, everybody. All righty. Texting in, I'm sure they asked Representative Street this and that and this and that. Such limited amount of time, Sherry, but I'm, I am uh, grateful for the time that he gave us. <clears throat> ah, all right, look at this. People are trying to do everything they can to save their friends that have lost their jobs. So if you go on LinkedIn, and I did see this article, and I have noticed I go on LinkedIn every once in a while to see how many people are following me. What a load of crap that is! <laughs> oh, 35 yeah. people are now are now. Uh, looking at you on linkedin you want to find out who they are and then then you have to pay like hundred dollars <laughs> something like that right. whatever it is. premium 
Yeah. Premium, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what else are they doing on LinkedIn to try to save their friends? Well, this is three words. Um, the three words that are becoming very, very common on LinkedIn are commenting for reach. Do you have any idea what that means? Uh, no, I just care about how many people have been following me on LinkedIn. <laughs> so, so if you let's say so, there's a lot of tech layoffs, right? And then people are posting their, I guess, resumes or their you know different different opinions. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to get uh, a higher profile. You know, more people mm-hmm. looking at what they have to say. So. Yeah. What commenting for reaches is just leaving a comment so more people you you know the more comments you rack up the the more people that will see it it helps to yeah. get the post seen by recruiters and other people so you could write i agree or thanks for that or whatever and oh. they say that you know those things are um kind of they do the same thing but they're concealed by sentiment this is what mm-hmm. they're calling slacktivism it's so lazy to just write commenting for reach. I mean, it's basically all it is. It's just saying, I'm helping you out here. I'm going to put this, this in here, these three words in because it's going to then raise your, you know, your profile or more people will be able to see it. Oh, uh, you don't even have the time to say anything about what they wrote. No, they don't, they don't bother with that. I mean, they, they could say that anything that you put in the comment section, I guess, adds to the to the possibility that more people will see it but Mm -hmm. commenting for reach is just a way to say okay you know here's what i'm doing yeah i see it i want to help you out that's all well well, it's funny when you started that voice you were just doing it started out somewhat intelligent and by the end the person's knuckles were dragging on the ground you notice that jacob (laughs) sherry's dumb guy voice that was the intent that was the intent. I got it. That was my slacktivism, slacktivism voice. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I'm just going to put it like this because I don't want to really comment. Okay. And I, I, listen, it. I'm not making a personal comment on you, knuckles dragging on the ground. I know that's something you've been dealing with. Since. <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. Uh, by the way, it is Teeny Tiny's birthday, and she wrote the know it all quiz. And I know you don't normally look at it ahead of time because you like to call out my spelling mistakes on the air. I'm going to just warn you, it's, it, it has a certain particular kind of uh, angle to it. So just she's finishing it up now. So it, I don't know how, just letting you know ahead of time, okay? She might be commenting for Reach later on looking for a job. <laughs> uh, what Her birthday from when she was born or, I mean, <laughs> is it an anniversary or yeah, a birthday? She has parents and she... Right. This raises some questions I mean, about her backstory. What's what this, is the birthday? And how if old I have she? to get Marin from Human Research, you're not allowed to ask those questions. It is no big deal. <laughs> it is no big deal, Cheney. Thank you. Well, I, I didn't think she was an employee. I thought she was more like a pet. <laughs> <laughs> She's somebody that you bring in. She's a vital to, member of the team. But uh, but what's her? So her one job is picking the letter of the day, and she gets which is a huge. But by... how about this TikTok person? This this uh, <laughs> Bailey Maya or whatever her name is describing being so laid I off. In big tech, one of the largest companies in the world. You definitely know who they are. And I woke up to a news article on Friday stating that there were huge layoffs at my company. So I go to check my laptop. 
I can't get on to my laptop. So I texted my boss. He said, oh, must be a computer problem because there's been no changes to our team. Then 10 minutes later, he hits me with, I'm so sorry. So I'm like, keep in mind, I was the highest performer in my job function in my business unit. So I was never really worried about layoffs. My other friends in big tech would get emails if there was going to be layoffs. So I just didn't see this coming. But I'm kind of excited because now I can do my own thing. And even though I'm 25, I don't really want to do a nine to five anymore. So yeah, I'm unemployed, but I have a hell of a lot of confidence in myself. I'm going to document the journey, my mindset, my action, how to save money. Follow me for more and let's do this together. Yeah, here's how I'm going to make money now. I'm going to have you follow me for more. Um, similar situations, Hi, advice. I'm, I'm 25 and I recently got laid off from my job and I don't plan on getting a nine to five. So here are the steps that I took to save money right away. First, I went okay. to my leasing office, told them what happened and saw if there was another option for rent payment whether that be reducing the rent or paying as I go. The second was I downloaded an app that told me all of my recurring expenses every month, canceled all of those subscriptions that are absolutely not needed. I had a story. This is brilliant. <laughs> she's she's thinking about it. She's planning it and I canceled that and pulled all of the stuff out of there as well. Returned any things that I recently bought that I don't need. And then I took a look at my bare minimum expenses. This is my rent, utilities, gas, food, dogs, car payment, car insurance, phone payment. If your utilities vary, go on the higher side of what you've had to pay throughout the year. Food, budget that as much as you can. Once you Whoa, slow down. Let me get a pen. Hang on. Budget food. If you have that number, make sure that that is your bare minimum living expense. That is what I know I need to take in every single month through my side hustles, like for part two. <laughs> Thanks, Bailey. I've got a feather that's flying up every time I breathe out. Yes. These layoff vlogs, as they're called, are, are very popular right now. People, uh, because 50,000 people have been laid off now between Alphabet and Amazon, Meta, Microsoft. So a lot of people are going online on TikTok and saying either what they feel uh, should have happened and maybe they're doing a little bit of venting or they are just doing a survival uh, thing just like our friend Bailey's doing. So their recommendation is if you're going to do one of these things and people are going to follow you, which by the way, um, I believe she has 800,000 views for oh this stuff. Um, you have to stay positive. Don't mm -hmm. bash your old employer. I'm sorry, the one that has 800,000 views is somebody that got laid off by Meta, and oh. she wanted to vent about her severance agreements. And many, many people who are also laid off are now validating her and engaging with her, saying, "Wait a minute, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't get a good, oh. a good deal either." I see. Teeny, you're you're not concerned about getting laid off, are you? There you go, Sherry. <laughs> okay. The non-employee or the unemployed whatever doesn't get laid off. Okay. Sherry, uh, can, Teeny, can you think of anybody you'd like to see get laid off? What, what did you Teeny? say your name was? <laughs> <laughs> She's on a roll. It's her okay. birthday. She had a couple oh, yeah. shots of a little tequila. She likes the expensive stuff. Jacob got it for her. Oh, All right. But take guys.
Oh. I'll tell you something. You're a parent. You got a little girl. And uh, do everything you can to avoid getting into that American Girl doll thing. Because, man, it is expensive. A um, bunch of things I did try to stop my kids from wanting to go to Disneyland. I said, if you could leave your room for one week without turning and turn the lights off, make it through one week. When you step out of your room, you flip the light switch off, we'll go to Disneyland. We'll restart this every single week if you fail. And it was great because I'd walk by on a Tuesday, lights are on. I'm like, okay, I'm going to Disneyland. So find a simple thing like that that you know that they won't be able to achieve like, you know, if you do this and that, you can. I'll buy you a $17,000 American Girl doll or whatever it is. <clears throat> that and the, then, yeah, then set we're them able, up to the, fail. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll set, stuff up, <laughs> set yourself up to save yourself a bunch of money. And they're at it again, the American Girl dolls. Now, don't buy one, buy two, because now the American Girl dolls are out. What? Uh, where are the 90s? Uh, they were just like yesterday, as if our new historic characters are twins, Isabella and Nikki, show girl power goals. And what do you know, Sherry? They're from Seattle. They're from Seattle, and they are the first twin characters that American Girl Dolls has has had. Um, Isabel is bubbly and extroverted, very into pop music. Um, And uh, Nikki is a little more thoughtful, introverted, passionate. Uh, Mm -hmm. She loves skateboarding. And there were two twin authors that uh, helped write their overall stories. And here's what they said. We both uh-huh. feel very honored to help tell Isabel and Nikki's twin stories. Like Isabel and Nikki, we think we have twin tuition. Jennifer mm-hmm. and I have a lot of spooky twin moments where it's mm-hmm. like we're reading each other's mind. Being a twin means you have a unique bond. You've shared your lives together. Isabel and Nikki also share a room like we did, which means extra bonding time in late night talk sessions. Uh-huh. So now you got to buy two of them. Well, they come together. So it's the same. It's you don't there. It's a package deal. I know. But are they charging twice the price? I it doesn't say how much they they are. And I think mm-hmm. they're packaged together. I, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to buy one twin, you got to, you know, you, can't you don't want to get them. a twin individual. <laughs> <laughs> You want both of them. <laughs> well, look at you coming up with new words. <laughs> and yep, laughing yep. at my own. Yeah, she's really enjoying it. Really, really, really enjoying it. I don't want to inter- I didn't interrupt. <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know if they uh, if they are sold separately. I don't think so. Okay. All right. The other one you want to avoid is the I- Build-A-Bear. Avoid Build-A-Bear. Oh, I love Build-A-Bear. This is what I find interesting is they call them historical dolls. I would have thought that it would be like, you know, this is a Prairie Woman 1 and uh-huh. uh, Revolutionary <laughs> War 2. It's, they call 1999 historical? I mean, it is. It's part of history, but it's a little bit of a stretch, don't you think? Hot take from Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was my <laughs> twin... <laughs> Twin tuition. What is it? Twin, twin individual. Tuition. You forgot your own word you made up already. No, the t- twin tuition was what the okay. twins that wrote the twin story had to say about each other. Twin tuition. Mm. I said twin mm. individual. Not as funny anymore, huh? <laughs> there you go. Guess Good not. You. Guess not. No. Kind of wore that one out. Yeah. Um, oh, Fred. 
Fred just wrote Z, 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 time to change the channel. Uh, Fred, it's not a channel, it's a station, okay? <laughs> if you're going to insult us. Yeah, really. Fred was all, while we were interviewing Representative Street, he's texting me furiously. I'm, I'm assuming he's, dry, he's pulled over the side of the road while he's changing the channel. Um, <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff um, talking about uh, pulling drivers over. Thank you, Fred. Appreciate that. By the way, update on the Halloween thing. I talked to a friend of mine, does security over at, the C- at SeaTac. Try not to cause a disturbance. That's what he said. So if you're in a giant pumpkin costume, it could be a disturbance. Oh, this just in. Newsflash. Nope, you buy them separately. I have a 10-year-old daughter. $115 each. Each. Yeah, see? But they won't just separate. Because if you separated them, then you end up with what? (laughs) Two individuals. Individual. Okay. Now you're just making fun of me. <laughs> what? Teeny. <laughs> Which is a first. Happy, teeny, happy birthday. We making fun of Sherry. Our, no, come on now. She is, uh, she's already uh, three sheets to the wind on her birthday. This is going to be a very interesting know it all quiz coming up at 5 30. Jacob, 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 get the bottle away from her. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what? You're responsible for her behavior on the air. <laughs> Look at these beautiful flowers. <laughs> oh, boy. She okay. sounds out of it. Oh, oh, we've lost Fred and Teeny.